ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. So, Bob, you've been really patient, and uh, thank you for agreeing to be our very first male speaker on the Executive Girlfriends Group. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, we were trying to figure out what to call it. It's not breaking through the glass ceiling. Maybe it's uh, it's something something. No, I've been calling that. it that. <laughs> Anyway, uh, for those who are on the call who have not had the pleasure of uh, an encounter with Bob Berg, um, Bob is uh, both the co-author of one of my favorite books in the world, uh, which is called The Go-Giver. It is uh, a very um, short, quick read, but an incredibly powerful read. It's written in an allegorical uh, style telling a, a very powerful story, and I'm going to let Bob tell you a little bit about that. But you know, the other thing, and and I uh, had the pleasure of having lunch with Bob a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, I was coming down with uh, bronchitis, so Bob, I hope you didn't get sick as a result no, not of our at all. encounter. Not at all. Um, anyway, uh, Bob was telling me also a little bit about uh, the fact that he and his partner are uh, investing a lot of time in social media. And, uh, you know, I met, met Bob uh, through other means first, but have, have gotten uh, deeply involved in his network, which has been really, really fun. He knows some amazing people. And uh, I sent him a note a couple of weeks ago that I actually had to explain to him because on Facebook, uh, I've started adding people and I had to create a book. Uh, a group called the Bob Berg List because it's all people I've met through him, and I don't want to lose that fact by you know dumping them into a general you know business connections uh, group. So Bob has had a a very very substantial impact on my life. He's introduced me to people like Libby Gill and Lana Kim, who you guys have have met. Uh, those of you who've been on the call regularly. So Bob, why don't you give us your introduction? Gosh, that that really put someone on the spot. Gosh, what do, what do I say? Let's see, nice guy. Uh, that's about it. Can't really think of anything else. Former former TV news guy who graduated into sales and really learned a lot and enjoyed it and started really teaching it to others. And I've been really uh, speaking, I guess, for the last sixteen or seventeen years. Have a couple of books out and have a lot of fun. And you also have have done kind of a stint in network marketing companies, and I've spoken for a lot of them. Uh, that's Got it. that's been kind of a niche: uh, network marketing, direct sales, uh, financial services companies, insurance. Uh, they're all companies in which a big part of their business and success is being able to to um, continually develop and cultivate relationships, so they're able to put new qualified A list prospects and referrals in front of them. Right. So that that sort of goes along with my first book, which is called Endless Referrals, Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. Very cool. Well, you know, this week I, I published uh, kind of a, a new visual uh, about the whole issue of, of networks and relationships. And I don't know, Bob, if you had a chance to see that, but it's actually called the relationship ladder. And, you know, it is something that you actually live uh, in, in the way that you operate, which is... Uh, getting past the spam and noise where all I'm doing is telling you my story and I don't really care if you want to hear 
it, <laughs> uh, but I'm going to tell, tell it to you painfully whether you want to know it or not, um, all the way up through getting people engaged, uh, you know, getting people to actually respond all the way up into, uh, you know, a level of conversation. And then to that point where people are willing to make referrals all the way up to actually having a substantial reputation uh, of your own. But it was interesting. I shared that with somebody this week and they said, but you know how quickly you can fall off that top rung of that ladder of having, you know, building this reputation, but not having it be authentic. So what I'd like you to do is, is just to kind of take us from, you know, writing the book on referrals to what brought you to a place, uh, even where you met your co-author, uh, John David Mann, and, and the whole story behind what I'm going to call the go-giver phenomenon, and and I know that uh, from the inside it may be a little bit hard to talk about it when I build it up so much, but but it really has been that. Well, and and I thank you. Uh, really, it 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 began because Endless Referrals was a yeah it was a successful book. We've sold a couple of hundred thousand copies of that over the the time it's been out, which has been about fifteen years now. Uh, but it's a you know it's a how-to book and kind of goes from step one to step two to step three. And I I sort of write as a how-to author. Uh, I had the idea a while back of a book called The Go-Giver. Uh, I had the very, very basic outline of the story in my mind. I mean, really basic. It was going to be about a guy who was uh, sort of, uh, you know, always sort of fighting the fight, if you will, doing things the traditional way and, and not finding a lot of success. And then as, as many parables and uh, business fable books are, would meet a mentor who would introduce him to other people and he'd you know learn and embrace these lessons and so forth so i began to to try and write the story chicky but i I realized i was really totally unqualified to write a a business fable of a work of fiction Um, i'm a how-to author and that to me is a whole lot easier you simply write down what you know and you get uh, good people to edit afterwards and actually, the person who edited the third edition of Endless Referrals, John David Mann, who also edited my booklet, The Success Formula, and also was the uh, editor-in-chief of Networking Times, a magazine I wrote for, he was just a guy who, whenever I worked with him, he did such a, a fantastic job. Uh, I remember when I would submit the uh, columns for Networking Times every month, and John would write back, and I, you know, a lot of times there's almost a little bit of a defensiveness when you submit a story because you, it's not that you don't think that the editors are, are qualified or, or even better writers. They usually are, um, but you're always worried that they're going to take something out of context and you know edit for space and not for. But John right. would always he'd write back. Uh, He'd email me back the uh, article with some corrections, and he's a very humble guy. For and you've you've interviewed him, so you know he's just yeah. a, he's a brilliant guy, but a very humble guy. And he'd send back a, an email saying, you know, do you think this is okay? I made a few. And I'd, I'd look at, it, I'd write back and say, John, you know, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. He was <laughs> he was so good at what he did, and so. Um, I approached John about co-authoring the book, The Go-Giver. When I say co-authoring, really, I knew John would be doing the heavy lifting. And he really wants to, you know, he's very much in demand. A lot of people want him to co-author books with them, but he took a look at the very, very basic treatment, if you will, that I put together of it. And uh, a few weeks later, he called me and he said, I think we have something here. So we went to work on it. But John really did the, you know, the, the storytelling, and he's just, so good at what he does. I was very honored to have him as a uh, as a writing partner in this uh, this venture. So, so beyond the guy struggling, how how does he get 
to the place where he's no longer struggling. And and you know what what were really the the components of of the success story? Yeah. Well, he meets a a mentor by the name of Pindar, and uh, and and through the story, Joe basically learns to shift his focus. He realizes that shifting one's focus from from getting to giving. In this case, Chicky really meaning nothing more than constantly and consistently adding value to people's lives is not only a, a nice way to live life, which I think most people intuitively know, but also a very financially profitable way as well. And he, he meets five people along the way, actually a, a couple more within the story, but basically he learns five what we call stratospheric laws of success. And these are nothing new. These are things that people have been, successful people have been utilizing for a long time. And, and basically it's just a law of value the law of compensation, the law of influence, the law of authenticity, and then it gets rounded out with the law of receptivity. And, you know, any of these in and of themselves will kind of get a person started in the right direction, but it's using all five of them in conjunction that really allows a person to marshal their enormous power and uh, help achieve the results they desire. Absolutely, and I, I think it's interesting in talking to a group of of type A, very, very powerful, very centered women, uh, most of them who, you know, although they may be in transition, they, they know who they are and they're, they're not really searching for that. And, and one of the basics, of course, uh, you know, it's obvious by the title uh, of the book is all about giving. And, you know, this is a group of women who know how to give, okay, and, and women in general are pretty good givers. I will tell you, and, and you know this, of course, that law number five uh, was the place where I got completely hung up, and that is the law of receptivity, actually receiving. Can you tell the story about the pen? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, law is... That was something I had to overcome myself. In fact, we have found with many people that that law is the one that, that hangs them up. Uh, you know, they can sort of grasp the other. In fact, what the first four laws do is almost say to them, wow, I've been doing a lot of these things. I'm on the right track. But why is it that I can do those and still maybe not obtain all the success I feel I should be, I should be getting? And law number five can really be a, a, a bugger, really, the law of receptivity, which simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving, which means just like breathing in and breathing out, you've got to do both. You can't just breathe out and expect to, to survive or thrive. You've got to do both. And... Uh, you know, this is something I had to really get over myself before I could receive abundance. And and uh, the story of the pen is really nothing more than the fact that if we don't stay conscious of it, it can still come back to bite us. And I, I tell the story that soon after the book was out, our uh, bookkeeper had had come over, was doing some work, and she was she was at the desk and she was writing with a, a pen. It wasn't a fancy pen by any means, but it was a had a kind of a neat design to it. And and I said to her, Trina, where where did you uh, get that pen? I, it's pretty cool. I want to get one. And she just right away said, Oh no, here, have this one. I've got plenty of them. And I I immediately went, Oh no no, I I couldn't do that. And she goes, No really, here, have it. And I said, No, I I wouldn't wouldn't feel right about it. And she goes, Bob, why can't you take my pen? I'm giving it to you. And I said, Trina, it's your pen. I just, you know, I wouldn't feel right uh, taking it from you. And she stopped, and she just looked at me, and she said, you know, Bob, it's really a a very simple two-step process. Uh, Number one, take the pen. Number two, say thank you. (laughs) And I thought, wow, 
You know, here I am just having co-authored a book where that law was the, you know, was one of the, the five laws of stratospheric success, and the same thing happened. Just, you know, I let it come back to me. I let the old tapes play. And it says that we've got to stay, you know, we've got to stay conscious. We've always got to be aware. And we have to also ask ourselves questions such as, if I'm not allowing myself to receive, why not? Is there an issue? Is there a payoff, by the way? Uh, because to some people, there's a payoff in not receiving. It's the it's the excuse for for not you know living the way we want to live. It's maybe a control issue. It's a matter of not wanting to feel in debt or powerless. Uh, you know, there's many reasons. But whatever that reason is, there's two things. One, we've got to be aware of it because if we're not conscious of it, uh, we're not going to be able to deal with it. Uh, secondly, we've got to overcome it. And we have to take the steps to do that. You know, I, one of my favorite books, and the, the, a book I recommend to many people, I recommend this book from stage practically every time I speak. I first read it about 25 years ago. It's called Psycho-Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, which was written in the late 50s. And it's an absolutely brilliant book that talks about how uh, our mind uh, sort of sets us on a destination from the the time you know practically after we're born for the first few years of our life and and the mind is a servo the brain in a sense is a servo mechanism that is pointed in a certain direction and it's very goal oriented and it's going to carry out uh, the manifestation of our beliefs about ourselves. So if we feel we deserve this, it's going to steer its way to that. And it's going to make course corrections to get us back there. So if our belief system about ourselves is good and deserving and that we should, well, great. But if it's not, it's going to sabotage us and it's going to, to bring us. So the first thing we need to do is, and, and if, you know, if you get that book, and believe me, I just recommend it to everybody, is you're going to learn, first of all, why our brain works that way. But it's very, you know, layperson's terms. It's not there's nothing complicated about it. And then secondly, he gives you exercises to shift that and to get your that servo mechanism of the brain working for you, uh, gearing you towards success instead of the opposite. Yeah, and actually, I just listened to another book this week uh, who is somebody, I don't remember whether he's connected to, uh, to John Mann or, or directly to you or whether you guys both know him, uh, and that's John Milton Fogg, sure. who wrote The Greatest Networker in the World, and, yeah. and again, another kind of allegorical style story. But uh, John talks about all of that belief busting, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's really necessary of, of our, you know, do we deserve it? And, you know, and particularly we as women, we spend so much time focusing on others. And, and whether you're a workaholic and fo- focusing on your business or, you know, you had the luxury of, of spending a little bit more time with your family, um, you know, your your focus is generally external and and indulging yourself is something that you do with apology well you know and and here's the thing i i I'm not sure that it ever has to be one or the other, and that's what we do a lot of times we say, am I a giver or a receiver <laughs> right and John calls it the treacherous dichotomy I call it uh, the false dilemma. And the, fa- uh, the definition of a false dilemma is simply the unnecessary use of the word or, such as, you know, do you want to be wealthy or happy, as though you can be one or the other? Are you a nice person or do you finish first, as though you can only be one or the other? Are you a giver or a receiver, right? As though you can only. Right. But you know what? The fact is, there's a lot of people, men and women, 
who are terrific givers and they receive a lot. <laughs> and so the, the, the good news is if one person can do that, anyone else can as well. Now, there's always going to be people who, and, and of course, I don't know anyone's own unique personal situation, but there's, uh, you know, I've, I've seen people not get into certain businesses because they, this or this or that. And I remember Dan, uh, a woman by the name of Danielle Kennedy, who's now a speaker and an author, but she was a very uh, successful realtor. She got into real estate when she uh, had six kids and was pregnant with the seventh. And, you know, and, and she was, you know, really the person who was taking care of these kids. And how many people haven't gotten to some because they, you know, had a couple kids? Uh, and now I'm not saying that's not a good reason. I'm just saying in her case, she took that reason and turned that into the reason why she did it as opposed to why she didn't. Right. I can only imagine what she had to go through, and I can only imagine. And yet still, you know, you see people, oh, well, I can't do this because I'm, you know, I haven't graduated college, or I can't do this because I didn't do this. And other people will say, okay, that's the reason why I'm going to do it. So, you know, there's pretty much a, a, a mindset to anything, and there's a belief system, and you either, you know, our belief systems either empower us or they de-empower, disempower us. Right. right. And I think that's kind of a, a choice in many ways. Bob, what has been the biggest surprise uh, out of the go-giver and, and the response that you've gotten uh, from people? What, what's the, the story that sticks in your mind, uh, you know, about feedback from people who read the book? I think that I expected that it was going to be embraced by people. And I don't know why I thought this, because I look back on it, and it really makes no sense. But for some reason, I thought it was going to be embraced by people who weren't go-givers, and they were going to have this epiphany of what it you know, would be about. But what happened was, it's the many people who are already successful go-givers who embraced the book, and they felt the need to share it with others. Uh, I can't tell you how many companies have, you know, where the CEO read the book, and they bought 900 books or 500 books. We had one that bought 15,000 books because he wanted the, the, the go-giver philosophy going through his company. Uh, we've had people who've bought it for their kids. Uh, you know, we have a school out in Indiana, uh, Wheeler out in Valparaiso. Uh, the uh, principal and the athletic director, they bought books for all the, stu- the senior uh, class students. And we found this. Uh, it's an amazing thing that the people who are already successful, because remember, people who are successful, people who are go-givers, tend to want everybody else to know the secrets, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not that these are secrets. They're not. But they, they kind of want people to know the formula, let's say that. And so it it's really, it's very much, a, I guess, a natural thing. So we've got what we call personal walking ambassadors, which we talk about in the book, uh, in uh, the part about the you know, law of influence. And we've got a bunch of personal walking ambassadors out there who just absolutely go out and they spread the word about the book. And these are already successful go-givers. So that was my biggest surprise, though looking back on it, uh, while it should have delighted me, it probably shouldn't have surprised me. Hmm. Yeah, and, and, you know, there there are probably only a half a dozen titles, if that many, that I've ever bought in multiples. And and uh, definitely The Go-Giver is one of them. Oh, I usually have, have a, a stack of them on my, on my shelf to give to people. Um, you know, because, uh, again, when something impacts you so powerfully, and it's interesting because, you know, I first picked up the book, and I know I shared this story with John in my interview with him, and, and actually the night after I read the book, um, I was in Atlanta, 
Uh, I was right at a place where my my company had just shut down. All of my friends had been let go, two of whom were on the Mm -hmm. call. Um, And, you know, I just didn't know where God was going to take me, and I, I was really at a loss uh, I got to the airport after a long day's meeting. It was actually a very good meeting with a, a potential partner, uh, but a Japanese company that was going to take forever to do the deal and, you know, not soon enough to resurrect the company in any reasonable amount of time. And I walked into the bookstore in Terminal A in Atlanta, and for some reason, I always walk through that bookstore. It has kind of a U shape to it, and I know we've got a lot of travelers on this call who've probably been in Terminal A. Oh, absolutely. Uh, at, at I know it's what you're talking airport. about. And, you know, I walk into that bookstore from the right-hand side, and I walk in, and there's always a table there. And on the left-hand corner, the left-hand front corner of that table was the go-giver. And I walked straight up to it. I, you know, didn't hesitate. I picked it up, and I went over, and I paid for it. And my flight was delayed. And so by the time I got home, which was like at 1 in the morning, I had, just as we were pulling into the Tampa airport and into the gate, I just finished it and I closed it. And, you know, of course, I think in the back, you you guys must either give your email addresses or the website of the book. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think before I even got out of the airport, I powered my laptop back up and and logged on and, and blogged to you about how impactful the book was. But you know what? I read it again. Um about six months ago when I was at another watershed in my life and, you know, so tired of pouring energy into this company that wasn't going anywhere and not able to raise money and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Most of the people on on the call have heard that story uh, ad nauseum. But the fact was I needed a change and I needed a fresh place. And it brought me back to a place where I could center on what was really important. And that was, you know, giving even if you didn't see the getting results right away. And also not reminding people that you're giving to them. You know, I mean, my mother used to always uh, tell my sister, my sister would stand in front of the mirror and say, oh, mommy, aren't I pretty? And she'd say, yes, but, you know, you really need to let other people tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the same kind of thing that a a true go-giver doesn't ever tell anybody anybody that they're doing it. That's, That's very true. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we open up uh, the call to questions before we move on to our regular part of the call? So those of you who are muted and would like to ask Bob a question, go ahead and unmute yourselves and just introduce yourself and uh, just jump right in. Questions, comments, uh, those of you who've read the book, I'd love uh, how it impacted you. Or, or those who know people who've been impacted, Tiffany, you should speak up about this. I should, because I came across Bob in a number of uh, very different ways, and it's um, kind of interesting, you know, the six degrees of separation theory. Um, when I had that large chunk of time on my hands when I was on sabbatical, I really immersed myself into social media and uh, started following a bunch of different groups here in Chicago. And um, Bob's name started coming up on the Go-Giver Tour, which a group of social media um, experts in the Chicago area, just coincidentally, um, were organizing. And I was curious and I was very fascinated by the way that they were marketing this um, concept in a very unique um, way, at least to me as a traditional marketer. And plus the whole concept just really caught my attention. So I followed the whole process and uh, come to find the executive business makeover um, is the conference which Bob was speaking at. Um, is something that Libby Gill was very involved with, who's been very involved with this whole group. And um, one of the people who was organizing the Go-Giver Tour 
actually has been one of the business coaches I've been working with. So um, that was really an introduction. And then Bob and I, we've become friends on Twitter. (laughs) It's amazing. So I'm curious um, with all that, Bob, to hear more of your comments on what you're doing in social media to build relationships with people and the importance of it and why you're putting um, your emphasis in social media. Well, I, you know, I see social media as just a, and you know, when we talk about social media, let's say, for example, as we're talking specifically about Facebook and, and, and Twitter, there's also LinkedIn, which I, I'm on but not really involved with. I find that Facebook and Twitter are two good media uh, for me that sort of work into my style and and um, and what worked best for me uh, within this. I just find it's an additional way, it's a, a, a very good way to be able to develop more uh, relationships with people. I mean, it really comes down to, to, to that. And, and, you know, as you know from the book where Sam talks about the, uh, the golden rule of, of business, the golden rule of networking, simply being that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, even though with social media, we're we're sitting in front of a, a keyboard or a screen. Uh, the fact is, people don't do business with or refer business to computers, but it's human beings. And if we do this correctly, you can develop those same great kind of win-win, just great relationships with people. Only more so, faster, quicker, more powerfully, uh, just because of the the, the media uh, themselves. So really, it's, it's, it's nothing more, you know, my utilizing social media is just nothing more than another, uh, another networking tool. The, the, the serendipity of it is, gosh, I've gotten to meet some great people like yourselves, and, and, you know, we're able to carry on some terrific conversations and be in touch more often than we probably would be without it. Definitely, definitely. Anybody else? Hi, Jiki? Yes. This is Addie, and hi, Bob. Hi, Eddie. Hey, Addie. Welcome. (laughs) Bob and I are friends on Facebook, and I don't know if he remembers me or not. I'm the one with a cat, Bob. Um, The one with the cat. The one with the cat. (laughs) And I have told you that if I ever write a book, I would want to write a book just like The Go-Giver. That is very sweet. It is. Um... Well, Bob, I do have a question for you, and it's a question I've been asking a lot of people and trying to get an answer. When you uh, use social media, is it okay for a company to present a company face? Um, it's you know we, we're all used to um, meeting real people. Uh, we, we prefer to, and if you have a company, do you uh, set up a company? company profile separate from your personal profile? Well, here's the thing, and I, you know, when, when you ask a question, it's a good question, and I, and I thank you for the question. I am always very hesitant to, to answer in a dogmatic fashion as though, you know, yes, it's this and or no, you should. You know, the fact is, uh, you know, there's a time and place for most everything. My, my gut says that really, you know, it goes back to the people do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And typically, before they get to know your company, they're going to have to get to know you. Before they're going to invest in your products and services, they're going to have to get to know you. And so my feeling is, you know, when I, when I uh, meet someone on Facebook, I want to see their face. 
um, you know, I mean, it's called Facebook, (laughs) or even on even on Twitter. Uh, I want to see the person's face. When I see that person's face, I know I feel a little bit more like I know that person. Now, you know, again, that's just me, but I've had this discussion with a lot of people, and that seems to be the consensus. Uh, you know, so again, that would be that would be my feeling. Now, that doesn't mean, and of course, on Facebook, you can tell all about your company. And in, in, in once you engage someone, they're going to come to your page and they're going to see everything you want them to see about it. Even on Twitter, it's the same thing. Within your profile, I mean, I have my website, right? I have a description of what I do and a link to my website. You still have, you know, who you are, the, the name of the company, a very brief, you know, little benefit statement, and then a link to the website so they can go to it and see who you are. But it's still you who needs to engage them. Uh, not the company. Does that make sense? Yes, I totally agree. Now let me throw a second question uh, in, and that is it, it's, it makes sense when you are a propri- sole proprietor. You are the owner. You're the business owner, and you are the business. What happens with a large company where there isn't one person? It's, you know, the, the company is the entity, and you have employees come in and out, and, and how, how do people resolve that? Um, I'm not sure I'm really understanding the question. Like, what would be the, what would be the challenge? Like, in other words, what would be the challenge you're at that you'd want to resolve in, in terms of what are we still talking about, social media? Yes, in terms of social media. Um, I mean, I, I know Bob Berg you, as the person. Now, if you had a, uh, if you owned, let's say, Comcast or GE, uh, I, you know, the CEO. Are you saying the CEO should be the one presenting the personal? The, the oh, I see what you mean. Uh, it depends on the situation. I mean, I know Jack Welsh is tweeting. Of course, he's not the the he doesn't he's not chair of, of GE anymore, but he certainly has his own huge consulting company. Um, if you look, if you look up a lot of the people, you absolutely they're tweeting now. There are some who, uh, you know, some of the dirty little secrets on Twitter are is that there are some people who, you know, and I'm not talking about the celebrities, but um, but but actual people, um, they have actually somebody uh, tweeting for them. I think that's that's inauthentic, certainly. Um, but at the same time, you know, if the, that that is the face that they're putting out. So they're doing it in place, uh, in a, in a sense. I don't know. Maybe that's nothing nothing different than you know a CEO having a speechwriter. I don't know. You know. But uh, yeah, I'm saying it depends on it depends really what you're trying to accomplish with this. Most people aren't the CEO of a huge mega corporation. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not really a question that ends up um, being realistic in terms of, you know, how it would really how it would really play out for most of us. And I don't think it has anything to do with being a sole proprietor. You can have a company with 40 people. Uh, I know there's restaurants that that tweet. Well, they have someone that, you know, tweets for now. In that case, that might be a situation where, yeah, you're going to have the, you know, the actual restaurant. But at the same time, even Dunkin' Donuts has, you know, a guy, uh, Dunkin' Dave, who does their tweeting. And it's at Dunkin' Donuts. And he says right in the profile, Dunkin' Dave here, you know, uh, representing the mothership, Dunkin' Donuts, right? Well, he still, he engages people. And, and tweets go back. At, you know, I'm a, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts fanatic, so obviously, you know, I know this, right? But uh, 
But yeah, so even a huge conglomerate like Dunkin' Donuts actually has a face of Dunkin' Donuts. Mm. Very okay. interesting. Yeah. Bob, can Thank you, you tell can you sure. tell po- folks if they would like to follow you on Twitter or would like to read your blog or or check out your website? Uh, sure. Maybe have an event coming up that they need uh, a powerful speaker. If they need a powerful speaker, I will do my best to refer them to one. Uh, <laughs> not sure I can help, but no, I, I appreciate that, Chicky. Uh, now, the uh, if you want to uh, join me on on Twitter, it's uh, just at Bob Berg. So it's at and then B-O-B-B-U-R-G. Uh, my website's www.burg.com, and while you're there, you can subscribe to my blog if you'd like. There's also a bunch of free goodies on there that you can, that you can uh, look at. And um, if you'd like to read Chapter 1 of The Go-Giver, if you haven't read it yet, you can go to uh, burg.com, B-U-R-G.com, and when you see the graphic of the book, just click on that, and it will take you to a page where you can just uh, download Chapter 1 for free. And I have added Bob uh, to the Executive Girlfriends group site. And, Bob, again, you are, you are the lone male in the crowd. I like that. I like it that. Will, it will have uh, all of your contact information there as well uh, for uh, folks who are interested. Awesome. Well, thank you. And that way, uh, if you do want to contact Bob, you'll just be able to uh, type in Bob Berg uh, under Explore People. And... Um, you know, Bob, if you will, I, I sent you an invitation to the site. If you could upload a, a picture and answer some of, of the questions that are, uh, it's a very different kind of profiling system. We have, And this is the platform, by the way, I was telling you about when we had lunch that I really would like for you to, to play with it a little bit uh, for your social media stuff as well. But uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to play with the Executive Girlfriends Group platform, uh, you can go to eggtraining.org blogspot.com, and I've done a bunch of uh, mini training videos for you so you can uh, figure out the power of this platform, because the, the power is not only the people we have uh, in this group, and we this week we just went over 400, um, and if we can get everyone to fill out their profiles, this is going to be the most amazing uh, uh, ability to search information uh, from just the most amazing people. So, Bob, I really appreciate you uh, being on the call today. Did we have any uh, last questions before I let Bob go and we uh, move on to the other part of our call? Okay. Well, if not, I'm going to stop the recording. And, Bob, we will see each other in cyberspace. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much. (laughs) Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. <laughs>